Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630 WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking the Cats. If it is a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And Curtis, you sounded like you were recording a Micro Machines what? commercial there at the beginning. You were like in, in fast forward. You're hopped up. Uh, I'm hopped up on something. This edition of the show is brought to you by La Rosa's Pizza. We'll tell you more about them in a bit. Yeah, Kyle, I'm sick. I know. You must have some you're amphetamines far, in your uh, You're system. leaning far away from me now. I am. I'm, yes. trying, I'm trying to keep my distance so I don't get... <laughs> i got enough baby disease in my yeah. house that I don't need any more from the, of the daycare uh, plague. So we are going to break down Kentucky's win over North Dakota. First win of the season that I think people anticipated from this Kentucky team where they got a lead, kind of expanded the lead, and won relatively easily. Um, uh, what was your overall takeaway from the game, Kyle? Yeah, 96-58, to 58, a 38-point win. Um, after the first few minutes, it was never really uh, in doubt. I mean, the, the big takeaways to me were P.J. Washington and uh, Tyler Hero kind of getting back on track. Two guys that were – P.J., you, you thought you knew what you were going to get from him. He was going to be one of, if not their best player. And Tyler was going to be their best shooter and scorer, and, and neither of them started the season that way. Um, P.J. really struggled and, and got in some foul trouble against Duke. Uh, Tyler Hero was really struggling shooting the ball, especially in the last game. Um, you know, so there's some you, – you wonder about their confidence, but they come out tonight. P.J. had 25-7, and seven, um, hit four out of five threes. I mean, that was the big – yeah. You know, shocker, that's something he's worked on a lot. He came back, he wanted to prove that he could do that, but to, to do it in that kind of way, and he hit one from the top of the key, two from the right corner, and the last one from the left wing. So from all over, um, it just looked really good offensively. And then Tyler Hero, uh, 18 points and five steals. That was also big, that he played some defense, uh, had a couple uh, what I called pick sixes. He plucked them and took them basically from half court on. He was untouched all the way to the basket for That's dunks. A pick two. Yeah, pick twos. Um, but, you know, hit his first several shots, first shot of the game, a little dribble pull up. He said once that went down, he, he was feeling better. Um, so those are two of the big takeaways. I'm actually going to have, as people, whenever people listen to this, we're recording it after midnight here on, uh, on Wednesday night. But, uh, Pretty early Thursday, I'll have something up at the athletic. I went down and actually talked to PJ and Tyler's dads, um, who were here for the game. I wanted to talk to them about what it's like, you know, as you're trying. Both of those guys have kind of coached and, and advised their sons all through their careers. Like, what do you say to your kid <laughs> when he has all these great expectations, and and you, you know, limp into the season like they they both did. And so, some interesting comments from both of them. Um, like I said, I'll, I'll have that up at the that athletic at the end. And maybe I'll get one, I'll tease one good quote out of you from it. Yeah. Um, but back to the game, I mean, I guess we can go quickly negative since there was really only one glaring weakness on the team, and that was Nick Richards who fouled out with a technical because he threw the ball on the ground. And when Calipari said at one point during his press conference that someone let go of the rope during these more physical practices. Did you interpret that as meaning Nick Richards, too, or is that just me? 
Well, he said you probably could tell by the way he played. Yeah, right? so I mean, <laughs> that, that would mean Nick. Richards. Yeah, I mean, there are only two guys really that didn't do much. Uh, Nick Richards, two points in 16 minutes and fouled out. Two points, two rebounds, two turnovers. Two he was two for two points, two rebounds, two turnovers, and two block shots, and he fouled out in 16 minutes. But also uh, Ashton Hagens, just two point. I mean, he's had a very slow start to the season as well. Just two points in 16 minutes, and he didn't foul out. Uh, he had no fouls. He just didn't do a lot. He did play pretty good defense. Um, Cal, I think, said he thought he played pretty well. Yeah. But, um, so I'm going to – I mean, I think the only two candidates there are, are those – are him and Nick, I would say probably. I mean, Johnny David didn't have any points. Maybe Johnny <laughs> David quit on the wall sets. But, yeah, um, that was the that was the other thing that Calipari mentioned, that they're getting back to diving on the ground drills and wall sets, which everybody – Tyler Hero said they had not done any wall sets previous to the Duke game at all. I thought that was like a standard sort of hell week thing that every coach does in the opening parts of conditioning. So Maybe John Calipari was intoxicated by the Bahamas and didn't think his team needed to do wall sits, even though he said he was, wasn't you know, completely believing what they were at the Bahamas. But now it seems like he's kind of contradicting himself <laughs> in some instances. Yeah, yeah I, I do think... I think he's essentially admitted that he thought this was going to be easier than it was, that these guys were further along than they, than they were, that they were better than they were, that they knew more than they did. And, you know, that's a no, 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 and no. And so it's kind of back to the basics for them and for him. And, you know, he went on, he kind of opened up at the beginning today, tonight after the game, talking about Calipari did about, uh, you know, just he forgets, he always forgets how hard this is and, then he realizes it's going to be a long year and a lot of work. But, um, you know, I, I, this, there's a lot more encouraging stuff tonight than I thought uh, at any point. For one, this is a terrible opponent. Let's just put that out there. It's almost close to the 300th best team in the country based on a lot of our rankings. Uh, but but when you play on that team, you better smash them, and they did smash them. Um, one other thing I would say jumped out at me. Uh, EJ Montgomery, eight point seven rebounds, uh, two blocks in uh, in twenty six minutes. And Cal said a thing that I said a week or so ago. Like there, I I I feel like they're going to have to play EJ Montgomery more, let him play through mistakes because he's going to make a bunch of mistakes. But he's also like this six ten guy who can do all this stuff offensively, and he can block shots. He's got so much more upside than anybody else. I really, I mean, maybe on the whole team, pull that out of him. Like, if they're going to make a huge jump, we obviously, the version we saw them against Duke, not good enough, not close. If from game one to the end of the season, if they're going to make a big jump as a team, you know, where can that come from? Well, I'd start with the guys who have the most potential and see if you can get it out of them. And I think EJ's there. That's essentially what Calipari said tonight. He needs separators. And that he's he basically said, I'm going to have to play him more. Somebody else is going to have to play less, and he's going to have to play through mistakes. I think that's probably the he, – he's a Hall of Fame coach. He's smarter than me. But I think that's the smartest thing he's said since the season started, that, like, uh, yeah. you know, roll with some high-ceiling guys. Let them make mistakes because you're playing for the end of the season. We'll get more into those separators here in a bit and what Kyle who – those, who those guys uh, will be in the upcoming season, but it's time to take a break and talk a little bit about La Rosa's Family Pizzeria, which is coming to Lexington right across the street from Skyline Chili on Richmond Road in February of 2019. 
LaRosa's is a Cincinnati thing, just like Skyline. It was started by a guy named Buddy LaRosa who talked three of his friends into throwing a few hundred bucks apiece in to open their own pizzeria on Cincinnati's west side in 1954. LaRosa's now has 64 pizzerias, the nearest of which ha- is up in Dry Ridge. The thing that Buddy LaRosa's brought to the new pizzeria in 1954 were his family recipes. His Aunt Dee needs pizza sauce, his Grandma Mary's pasta sauce, and other recipes that came from Sicily with his family. And it sounds corny, but here's it is nearly 65 years later, and they're still using those same La Rosa family recipes. As good as La Rosa's pizza is, the other thing that makes La Rosa's different is they have a menu that goes on forever, over 40 sections, and all of them are available for pickup and delivery. In addition to those options, La Rosa also has a great dining room. I love to meet my family who lives up in northern Kentucky at the Dry Ridge location for lunch. Get ready, Lexington, for the La Rosa's coming in February, and until then, check out their other locations. So, Kyle, when we're talking about separators, and that's who Calipari mentioned on the last his last press conference before the game was that Shea Gilgis Alexander and Kevin Knox became those separators. Who do you think is the most likely to fill that role on this season's team? I think it's probably PJ and PJ Keldon and EJ, you know, and I wouldn't have said EJ except Cal mentioned him specifically. And I think he's going to give him that chance. I, I really do think he's the guy who could, in terms of in, an individual who could make a, the biggest jump from from the start to the end of the season would be him. I think everybody has that's that has really been really familiar with EJ's game has said you know we've had Evan Daniels on this podcast like he's got the most upside like long term. If you look at every guy on this team who could end up being like a great pro, he's probably at the top of the list. Kelton Johnson's on there as well, um, and then of the more you know. Known commodity, Kelton Johnson's one. He had a double double tonight. Like we're not even talking about that, but twelve and ten for him. He played pretty well. Um, but PJ, to me, he doesn't have to be the guy who hits four threes. I don't think anybody would have expect he would. But if he can hit a couple of those, you know, one or two of those, and do all the other stuff you expect PJ Washington to do, defend, rebound, um, I think that's significant. Holy crap! He did that, and he only played 17 minutes. 17 minutes, minutes yeah. yeah. No, that's <laughs> – yeah, he had 25 points in 17 minutes. 25 and 7 uh, with a, a block, a steal, and an assist. That's and, ridiculous. Uh, it's late. So have I already mentioned about his fingers or no? No, we have not talked okay. about his so, fingers. We mentioned them on the last post-game podcast. Being wrapped, we noticed, about, yeah. Yeah, about being wrapped. And, and Cal and, made some comments about his – you know, maybe he wasn't still confident in that hand. Um, so, but it turns out it's not the pinky that he had surgically repaired, um, or not primarily the pinky. Um, I t- when I was talking to his dad uh, tonight, he said he had jammed his thumb and his ring finger in the Duke game, and then his pinky was still bothering him because there's some worry there, obviously, when you have something surgically repaired. And so all three of those were taped. And P- PJ, I asked him after the game, he basically said, I had, I, I had two good fingers. And it was terrible. <laughs> he, it was how he described it. He, he couldn't hold on the ball. And that was obvious. He had a bunch of turnovers. He yeah. wasn't, you know, rebounding the way uh, he wanted to. You know, that's the hand, his uh, right hand that he's always sticking out to try to poke, you know, balls loose. and um, Or left hand, sorry. Um, and so, you know, he, that was affecting him in that way. So I, I think there's – that probably should – 
relieve some Kentucky fans to know that there was like an actual thing happening, not just P.J. Washington wasn't up to the task necessarily. There was maybe some of that too, but he had, I think, a, a legitimate thing that was wrong with him. Uh, and he says he's feeling better now. He said those fingers that he jammed were huge. They swelled up like really big. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it is finally good to have an answer because Calipari didn't really elaborate. He just said he needed to trust it more. But, I mean, now that we know that they were jammed, it's not necessarily trusting it. That's, yeah. I guess, trying to avoid pain or more pain um, when you have that, that kind of situation. So... Uh, I think we mentioned it, but that was a career high for P.J. Washington with the 25 points. And I don't know about you, but <laughs> Calipari kind of made it seem like eh, maybe he shouldn't be shooting five threes every game <laughs> in the post game because I think it was something along the lines of, is that what you want him to do? And he said that he wants him to shoot, but maybe not like that because he has has a good shot. And that was the other kind of note. Apparently, P.J. had changed his shot a little bit. And we hadn't really heard anything about it until tonight, but it was moved higher. Yeah, basically, essentially a guy who shoots from his hip coming down from the waist all the way up, a lot of wasted motion, to a guy who got his sort of starting point raised up to chest level, which is what you'd prefer yeah. in a shooter. Um, you know, you basically, when, you got, when you're firing from down there, you're, you're wasting a bunch of motion. You might get it blocked. Uh, there's a lot more opportunity for something to get wonky in in your shot if with all that motion. Um, so he, he's obviously put in work. He wanted to prove he could be a shooter. Uh, I don't think you want him taking five threes a game, but if he hits a first couple, then I think maybe you keep letting him do that. And it certainly changes things and opens things up for other people when uh, if he's left open and he makes them, it makes people respect that as part of his game. I think that you know there, it, there's a lot of possibilities that come from it. Yeah, um, along the lines of E.J. Montgomery, this, I guess this might be a, a both situation. Um, yeah, we are distracted right now because there is a photo shoot going on on the floor of Rupp Arena. There are two uh, younger ladies, and they're, they're hugging each they're other hugging under the basket, <laughs> under posing the basket, for pictures and hugging each hugging other. Each other. Um, and yeah, now the photo shoot has. To, oh wait, no, got to get another one for safety. You always got to take one with the hand on the hip. So yeah. they got now we have a hand on the hip pose. This is uh, interesting to see and kind of kind of distracting for people who are sleep deprived <laughs> and and kind of sick. But back to my question: Does uh does, do the minutes? Where do the minutes come for EJ Montgomery? Are they just going to be taken from Nick Richards? Or are they going to be allocated? Yes. From, okay, <laughs> yeah, enough. I mean, I think but, that, but here's my question. I think that's though. it. Uh, it was, it's weird that and it's such a. You know, yin and yang, I don't know, like just such a big difference from one game to the next. Nick Richards had probably his, one of his better games as a Kentucky with all those rebounds. The game yeah, he still couldn't put the ball in the basket, though. You know, and like that's, I think that's the thing. Uh, you know, you've got to score. <laughs> they want to be better defensively and all yeah. those things. But like when you have PJ and Reed on the floor, you're going to get rebounds. And Keldon Johnson, you're going to get rebounds. So the one thing he does really well. Other people can do it. And the one thing EJ does really well, I don't think they have anybody that is like that. You know, there's not another 6'10 guy on the team who can step out and swish jump shots. So, Yeah. Um, one other note, Jamal Baker did not um, play tonight. He did dress, but John Calipari was asked about it after the game, and he said that he hadn't practiced since the blue-white game. At all, he said. Uh, yeah, that's kind of crazy like don't you that's think? a lot that's what a month more than a month how long ago is that 
I don't even know. I've lost all track of time and space. Yeah. I mean, they've played three games and two exhibitions since then. So that's Yeah. That's good. Co- it's got to be close to a pushing month. a month. Uh and not good. <laughs> now these people are dancing under the basket. Uh You know, after missing all of last season with this mystery knee issue, mm-hmm. you know, coming back missing the Bahamas but then coming back and we finally got to see him in the blue white game. Yeah. Uh, and a madness, right? He did both, participated in both. I believe I so. He did at least one. One of those. So he was at least up to that and practiced some. And now to be out, oh, you know, basically a month again, not practicing. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. And we came out before the last game at home and was out warming up. He was dressed out and he was warming up with the team and shooting, but he still apparently hadn't practiced. So I, I don't know. I mean,. Again, it's it. The longer this goes, the more it feels like that's a thing that is just not going to get right for him. Yeah, it's which is unfortunate for him, and you know, for Kentucky, it would be nice to have a dead eye three point shooter, even if that's all he could do. Come out there and make a three when you're when you're ice cold. I think he'd be that kind of guy for them. Yeah, um, I don't think there's any doubt. Did you ever do uh, wall sits? Yes, I still do them every now and then. Really? Well, when I'm like in a actual fitness mode, which has been many months now, <laughs> having children will make you really lazy really fast. You want to know my? Uh, they're great exercise. I mean, there's a reason everybody does them when they're coaching, even at a high level of, in college athletics. Like they're really good exercise. You want to know my wall sit story? Um, so I do. We uh, we used to do them in high school basketball. Obviously, it's not special there, but. When we would do them, there was one one guy who would just lose his mind. Like he was a, a screamer, where he would like yell, you know. And that would that just was kind of his personality. And so he would be there, and he'd doing the wall sits, and he'd be one of the guys that were like smacking his quads, like you know, getting all the way into it. Like yeah, let's go, let's do this. And so we always kind of chuckled about it because it was kind of amusing, and it was it was actually a little bit difficult <laughs> to hold a wall sit when you were kind of laughing at this guy. <laughs> um, but the next day after we did some wall sits at practice, we were in school, and I don't know about you, Kyle, but sometimes you would goof off in school. Nah, not me. And so we were on a bathroom break, and we were doing impersonations of <laughs> of this guy during the bathroom break, and... Uh, we got a, apparently a little too rowdy, and then I got my first attention. I was a sophomore in high school. That's the story? So, that's the story. <laughs> I was impersonating <laughs> uh, some guy being really loud during wall sits and got a detention. That's pretty good. So I used to get detention for uh, drawing uh, pictures of my teachers in unflattering uh, situations. By the way, we were going to... I'm going to ask some Kyle a couple quick questions about his piece that he's going to be working on for the athletic tomorrow. But just to guys keep you guys in the loop, the photo shoot is still going on, and no, now they're trying to touch the net yeah. as they jump. Um, I think they're going to be uh, there's going to be an aerial high five at the net. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll do a little quick play by play. Okay, so we got there the we camera. Go. The camera woman is at the free throw line with a cell phone. She is coaching up the two the two other young ladies. They are they're running baseline. Mm-hmm, they're on the baseline. They're coming together. Oh, God. I, I, I thought they might collide. Uh, they, it was just a jump towards the net. There was no high five or anything. It's incredibly we unathletic. Are, we are 19 minutes into this podcast, and they have been on this photo shoot for at least 10 minutes, right? Mm, at least. Okay. Yeah. So coming up next, I'm going to ask Kyle what uh, the father of Tyler Hero and P.J. Washington had to say um, when he talked to them tonight. But first, I do want to tell you guys about Sling TV. 
you don't want to watch the game, you need to watch the game. I'm going to admit it, at one point tonight, I kind of had another game on my laptop because <laughs> I wanted to see what was going on elsewhere in the country. Are you sick of paying for 20 channels you have never watched just so you can see your team win? Sling TV is the best way to watch college football, college basketball, and a bunch more. $30 a month gets you ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and more. Stream on your big screen and all your favorite devices. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. No useless channels. No long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel anytime. Right now, Locked On listeners can get a seven-day free trial by going to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. Okay, Kyle, so what did uh, Paul Washington, that's PJ's father, right? Yep. And uh, what's Tyler Hero's dad's name? Oh, gosh. You put me on the spot. Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, gosh, Hero. I call him Mr. Hero. Mr. Hero. Uh, let's see if I have his first name on my phone. Chris. Yes, Chris. Chris Hero. Good old Chris Hero. So what what, what was your, like, when you talked to them, what were their thoughts on their both of their sons kind of struggling to start off the season? It's funny that Tyler's dad was like, I'm a nervous wreck. <laughs> and Tyler said afterwards, my dad worries about everything. <laughs> um and uh, without giving too much away, uh, one thing that sort of eased their minds is they reached out to his shot doctor. He's got a guy that's coached him, uh, is shooting uh, back in Wisconsin hmm. since for years now. And actually, he noticed something. They, they sent him video, and uh, he noticed something in Tyler's mechanics that it was actually a glitch he had as a sophomore in high school. And he said it was a 25-minute fix back then, and it would be a quick fix this time. And if he did... X, Y, and Z drill, he'd be just fine, and he went back went back to work and um, was feeling good coming into this one. So that was interesting. Um, the other thing that, uh, I, and I w- was walking away when you were asking Tyler about this, um, the social media aspect. Yeah, his dad told him stay off social media, and then he's got a-hole friends back home that were like, hey, I uh, know you're not wanting to look at this stuff on social media, and so let us tell you all the horrible things that people are saying about you on social media. So he didn't read it himself. But his friends told him. Yeah. I like that uh, Jerry Tipton was asking him about it, and he goes, what are they saying on social media? I don't watch <laughs> social media. <Yeah. laughs> and that's what, Tyler, that's what Tyler said, that you know I don't really either, but my friends are telling me, great friends Tyler has. Yeah. So. Hey, buddy, I know you're, you want to avoid hearing the bad noise, but here's the bad noise. <laughs> yeah, here's all the stuff that everybody's saying, yeah. saying about you. What did uh, Paul have to say? Who's obviously – is he still coaching at Finley? Uh, I think prep? so. I think um, so. Uh, but Paul uh, – it's funny. He was – so PJ had told me before the season he was going to wear some uh, old KDs, get them uh, made or had them made with uh, his family's names, his mom, dad, and his mm-hmm. siblings – uh, and so I, I saw tonight that he had shoes with his family's names on them, but they weren't the KDs. And I talking to his dad about I also couldn't find his dad's name anywhere on the shoes tonight. Mm. Uh, so his mom and, and both his siblings. Uh, apparently the guy, this was a different pair. He wore the pair that he told me about, the KDs, from last season in the Duke game, which I assume he then burned. Yeah. Uh, and then he had a new pair made, uh, and I forget which ones these are. They're some other kind, a fresher version of sneaker. New Balance. And he had the, yeah. And he had those done, and the guy who made them, because he has the same name as his dad, figured he didn't want his own name on his shoes, so his dad didn't get on the shoes. Hmm. So that that's a uh, really pretty insignificant thing, but he did. This is the second time he's worn uh, shoes with his family's names all over them. He said uh, 
you know, I did a piece a few weeks ago on what's your why, kind of answering the question Cal asked all these guys. And uh, his was his family, and he to sort of remember what he's playing for. He wanted to put their names on his sneakers. But, uh, no, Paul was like, Paul Sr., his dad, was uh, not a nervous wreck like Tyler's. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, he's been through this one year at Kentucky. And also, you know, he just kind of believes in what his son is. And he also understood there were mitigating circumstances. He's the one who told me about the fingers being messed up. Yeah. He basically said, you got one hand. Uh, but he also said... Uh, that's your job, and if your job was driving trucks, you'd drive in the snow. So, you you know, if you run into an impediment, you still got to get your job done, and he needs to go get his job done. So um, he was kind of less phased about it. But, uh, you know, and both dads were, I think, kind of had the takeaway about the Duke game, like it'll, be, it'll end up being a good thing for, for their kids and for, their, for the team. So be sure to be following along with Kyle's coverage on The Athletic and check out that piece. Um, Kyle, where can they follow you on social media? At Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. I am on Twitter at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. I'll have post-game interviews with all the players and John Calipari and the North Dakota team coach uh, on my timeline. So go and check that out. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks to La Rosa's for sponsoring this edition of Locked On Kentucky. Please rate, review, subscribe, and then most importantly, share it with someone else who would enjoy this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.